18 to 25. Raise your hand. Some of you just lied to me. 18 to 25. Let me see it again. 18 to 25, all throughout. I want you to know that on Thursday nights, we're having a great young adults ministry. Raise your hand over there, Mike. Real good and high. Young adults are meeting at 7 o'clock on Thursday nights. You ought to come and make it stronger. Make it better because we've got a vision for reaching your age group all over this city. That's a free plug. I just wanted you to know we're looking for a few good young adults who want to lift up Jesus and reach people. Amen? All right. How many of you have ever needed a breakthrough? You ever need a breakthrough in your life? I want to talk to you for the next few weeks about the God of breakthroughs. The God of breakthroughs. Let's read the verse where the Lord first identified himself as the God of breakthroughs. This is jumping into the story of David. It says, They went up to Baal Perazim, and David defeated them there. Then David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, they call the name of that place Baal Perazim, meaning, say it with me. Now, when God does that, when God gives you a name, he's, he's wanting us to understand that this is who he is. He's telling us something about himself so that we will believe him to do this very thing. So he says, I'm Jehovah Shalom, your peace. I'm Jehovah Rophi, your healer. I am Jehovah Rohi, your shepherd. Here he says, I am the God of breakthroughs. So having said that, now let's look at the story of one of my favorite Bible characters. I love the dynamic duo, Elijah and Elisha. And I want to uh, read now about Elijah. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah saying, Get out of here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Kareth, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed at the brook Kareth, which flows into the Jordan. Now look what happened. This is miracle living. This is divine room service. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while, uh-oh, that the brook dried up. Because there had been no rain in the land. Father, thank you that you're the God of breakthroughs. And I pray for people here today and those listening by radio that you will bring a divine God-sent Holy Ghost breakthrough I thank you for it in Jesus' name. If you need a breakthrough, I want you to say amen. 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 You can be seated. Thank you. God bless you. And in the next few weeks, we are going to look at several great Bible breakthroughs. Next week, I'm going to look at Hannah, who had a breakthrough from a heartbreak to a hallelujah. But today, I'm going to talk about Elijah. Now, we're going to see, in, as we look at these Bible breakthroughs, that these were just normal people that called out on a supernatural God in dire circumstances and they experienced the intervention 
of the God of the breakthrough. Another rendering of that little phrase, uh, God of the breakthroughs, is master of breakthroughs. God's a master at bringing a breakthrough to you and me. Now let me define a Bible breakthrough. Here it is. A Bible breakthrough is when there's no way out but God. A Bible breakthrough is when God moves on your behalf, when in the natural there is no way out. If God doesn't do it, it's not going to get done. That means that your back is against the wall. You're hemmed in on all sides. Ever been there? Are you there today? You've done all you know to do and nothing has worked. God is going to have to move. Something must be broken in the spirit dimension. The sea must part. The lion's mouth is going to have to be shut by God. The spiritual chains of bondage must be snapped and the devil must be routed. It's bigger than you. It's stronger than you. But it's not bigger than God and it's not stronger than God. He is the master of the breakthrough. God is going to bring a breakthrough to many of you here today whose back is up against the wall. You don't know what to do, where to go, which decision to make, where to turn. God's going to bring a breakthrough. I came to preach God up and preach the devil down. I'm going to believe God to break through on your life. A Bible kind of breakthrough can be experienced in finances or with a stubborn habit that is destroying your life or with a relationship that is not, now I'm not talking about your marriage, but well, you know what? God can break through on your marriage or in a desperate need for direction. You don't know what to do. God can break through for you or in the presence of a vicious spiritual attack or some kind of a barrier that is hindering you. That is, that is exalting itself against the knowledge and the purpose and the will of God for your life. It's there. It's a barrier. And you need a breakthrough. And God can bring it. Now today I want to look at one of my favorite Bible characters, Elijah, and the breakthrough of provision that he experienced. Now Elijah's story begins in 1 Kings 17, 1. Out of nowhere... This mysterious prophet steps onto the stage of history and he says something astonishing. The king of Israel, who was totally backslidden, who did not know God, not really, he wasn't walking with him. And here comes this unknown Elijah the Tishbite. And it says, he looked at the king in the eye with all the king's court standing there. And he said, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there will be no rain nor dew on the grass except by my word. Now either you've heard God or your head's coming off when you say that to the king of Israel. What a powerful word. Now we know that he prayed and he prayed a drought in. Now why did God bring a drought like this onto the land of Israel? Because Israel was where America is today. Israel was in a time of tragic national backsliding. Israel had forgotten God, but God hadn't forgotten Israel. And God was not about to let Israel go. God was going to deal with Israel, but the only thing left was to bring judgment, a judgment that would wake them up. And the resulting judgment of God was to raise up this unknown Elijah the Tishbite and send him 
with an incredible prophetic word. James tells us what happened in James 5, verse 17. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. In other words, he was just like you and me. And he prayed earnestly. That's all he did. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Now, we're in a drought in Texas right now. And even having been in a drought, we've had rain a few times. And we've seen dew on the ground many of the latest mornings. Think about this. It's rained pretty good in my neck of the woods, but they say it's barely at all affected the water table underneath the surface. Think about this. One year, two years, three years, six more months, three summers, three winters, three springs, and some change. And not one drop of moisture fell from the sky, and there was not one drop of dew on the ground. They were in a total, complete, 100% consummate drought based on the prayer of a man of God. The ground cracked with dryness, we can imagine, the cattle cried and died. All green vegetation withered. And Israel was brought to her knees. God got Israel's attention real good. They sent out a manhunt for Elijah. Bring him to me, the one who said this was going to happen. But nobody could find him. You know why? Because God was hiding him away. The Bible says, in the meantime, the word of the Lord came to Elijah saying... Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Kareth, which flows from the Jordan, and it will be that you will drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. What an amazing... Imagine if you're him. Elijah, I want you to go sit by the brook. I'm not going to tell you how long you're going to be there, and guess how you're going to eat. You're not going to have to hunt. I'm going to bring it to you. I'm going to use ravens to bring you food. You say, Pastor Jeff, do you really believe that? I absolutely believe it. You don't. Our God speaks something out of nothing. The God that I worship said, let there be light and there was light. He said, let there be animals and there were animals. He said, let there be an ocean and there was an ocean. Our God is the mighty creative God who created something out of absolutely nothing. So of course, he can use a raven to bring somebody food. Here's the deal. If God wants to get it to you, he will get it to you. It doesn't matter how, he will do it. God will move mountains, he'll move heaven, he'll move earth to take care of his own children. Here's his prophet by the brook Kareth, and God began to command this raven. And every single day, the Bible says the ravens brought him food. What an incredible promise. Bible scholars say that Elijah enjoyed food and water at the brook Kareth for a year before it dried up. Now, I ran the numbers. That means he had 730 raven visits. Think about it. 730 times a dark spot began to grow closer and closer against the blue sky. And a raven flew up, landed in his beak. Might have been the bread there in his claws, the meat. But it says every day twice a day. Maybe God's telling us that we're only supposed to eat twice a day. Because this was divine room service. 
the raven would land, deposit the food, and fly away. Twice a day he was fed. He had the gurgling brook to take care of his water needs. The comforting gurgling of the brook lullabied him to sleep at night. As long as Elijah was at the brook Kareth, life was good. He became very acclimated to this familiar place. Oh, I like this. This is miracle living. I'm not working. I'm on welfare. He's bringing it to me. I'm just sitting here waiting for the word of the Lord to come. He didn't have a care in the world as long as he was by the brook. No thieves to worry about. No checks to bounce. No one to bug him. Not another human soul. No alarm clock. Just him and the brook and the ravens and God. But good times don't always last. One morning Elijah awakened to find that the brook that he had relied on for a whole year had dried up. Gone was the comforting sound. Soon he was thirsty. The scripture doesn't tell us, but we can only assume the ravens quit coming because you can't eat without something to drink. The whole land was under judgment. There was nothing in the city. He had no way out. He had to have a breakthrough. Suddenly his familiar source of provision was gone in a single day. What he had relied on was taken out from under him. The carpet was pulled out from under him. What to do? Where to turn? What do I do now? I can't go to the king because he knows I prayed in this drought. And I'm the one that predicted it. So I can't do that. Where do I turn? What do I do? What am I going to go do? Where do I go? But Elijah knew something that we've all got to know. And we're going to need to know it more as the days go by. What did he know that we need to know? What can we learn from this historical account of a man used of God who found himself in straitened circumstances? Elijah knew that his source of provision had not been the brook. His source of provision was not the brook. Well, then what was it, Pastor Jeff? Well, his source of provision was the word of the Lord that led him to the brook. See, we shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Your provision is not your job. Your provision is not your talent. Your provision is, is, is not some natural source. Your ultimate provision and source is the word of the Lord that protects you and keeps you and provides for you our God is a providing God. He's a good God. And I got good news for you today. Some of you have had some brooks dry up. And here's the good news. God is not up there saying, oh no. He's not up there saying, well, I'll be. He's not up there saying, oops. God knew that your brook was going to dry up before it ever dried up. And I've got this news for you today. When your brook dries up, God has a plan. God has a plan. You know, I don't like it when my brook dries up. He didn't either. All options in the natural were gone. He sat there completely alone staring at a dry creek bed. There was nobody to talk to. He needed a provision breakthrough. He needed the God of breakthrough, the master of breakthroughs to break through on his behalf. 
no water, you soon die. And some of you today need a provision breakthrough. You've done all you know to do, but still your brook has dried up. That job that served as your source, that gurgling brook that you learned to lean on and rely on and trust in, has dried up. What now? Or some spiritual brook you once drank from has dried up. A church, a ministry, or a mentoring relationship that spiritually watered you has suddenly dried up, been removed. It's out of your life, and you feel like you're in a free fall. What do I do now? Where do I turn? That's all I've ever known. I've been around long enough to see this, that when church people's brooks dry up, they can respond in several ways, and I've seen every one of these responses. You can fight it because you don't like your comfort zone being shaken up. You like that lazy boy. You like security. You like knowing that check is coming in or that relationship is there. You like it. You've become acclimated to it. You don't like change, so you fight it. Others fear it. They fear the brook drying up because you don't trust God to provide for you in the future. You think that that's the only way he's ever going to be able to take care of you is that one brook. But I gotta tell you, God's got an infinite number of brooks. He's not limited to one. He can take care of you any way He wants to. But I want to say it again when God wants to get it to you, He will get it to you. You can fight it, you can fear it, you can faint and refuse to move forward. I'm tired, I don't have any fight in me, I don't have any desire to push forward and break through on my own. Or you can flounder by refusing to listen to the direction of the word of the Lord. You can fight it. You can fear it. You can faint. You can flounder. Or you can do the only wise thing to do. You can follow the word of the Lord. Because God's going to give you a fresh word. I'm telling you today, he's going to speak to you. He knows your situation. He knows the brook has dried up. He knows the way it has left you. He knows who has walked out or what has been removed from your life. And God is going to step in and show himself to be the master of breakthroughs. The master of breakthroughs. Here's what Elijah believed. Elijah trusted God. He believed that change in provision was the signal to seek God for fresh direction. To him, when the brook dried up, that was a signal. Change. Since God's in control of my life, he must be behind the change. So I'm going to trust him. He practiced the 11th commandment. Thou shalt not sweat it. I want you to say that with me. Thou shalt not sweat it. Preach it to me. Thou shalt not sweat it. That's the 11th commandment. You ought to live that way. For Elijah, is, I'm not going to sweat this. My God's in charge. He's providential. He's sovereign. He's going to take care of me. So I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to hit the panic button. I'm going to trust God. Listen, unless unconfessed sin is the cause of your brook drying up, and nothing will dry up that brook quicker than sin, but unless it's unconfessed sin, God has a breakthrough word for you, just like he did Elijah. Psalms 37, 23 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. 
Every time you move, every time you take a step, everything you do, God delights in the details of your life. And he busies himself with all the details of your existence. He's watching you. He's caring for you. I think one of our biggest shocks in heaven, we're going to get up there and we're going to do this. Because we're going to see all the times there was a skinny angel walking along with us. And in the nick of time, God stepped in and protected you, provided for you, guarded you, led you, took care of you when you didn't even know it. Because he busies himself with your every step. The psalmist David talked himself out of despair. Talked to his own soul. He said, why are you sad, O my soul? Why have you become troubled within me? Hope in God for I will praise him again. I will praise him again. I'm going to have reason to praise him again. I might have lost that brook, but I'm going to praise him again. I might have lost that job, but I'm going to praise him again. I might have lost that relationship, but I'm going to praise him again. I might have had a drop in my income, but I'm going to praise him again. I know it. Suddenly the breakthrough word of guidance came to Elijah. Arise. Go to Zarephath and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow. Watch this now. I have commanded a widow to provide for you. So he arose, left the dry brook, and he went to Zarephath. When the brook dries up, there is a Zarephath. Zarephath, though, was not an encouraging name for him because Zarephath means crucible. It means place of testing. We could say that Elijah was led from the frying pan into the fire. Zarephath was outside of the promised land, but God said, guess what? Go where I tell you to go, and that's where my provision is going to be. If you are where you ought to be, I will provide for you there. Though it was out of the promised land, I'm going to feed you there. But lo and behold, this is what gets me. He, so he makes the journey. He arrives at Zarephath thinking, well, there's a widow there who's going to take care of me. But lo and behold, here's what he found. The widow that God said would provide for him was in no condition at all even to provide for herself. When he asked her for some food, she replied, quote, As the Lord your God lives, I have no bread. I only have enough flour in the jar to fill a hand and a little bit of oil in the jar. See, I am gathering a few sticks so I may go in and make it ready for me and my son. Then we will eat it and we will die. Elijah had been driven out of his cushy little lifestyle straight into the arms of a tragedy. A widow woman and her little boy facing their last meal. He had no idea that when God allowed the brook to dry up, there was a woman and a little boy, not far away, who were preparing their last meal. And this widow all had to have been thinking things like this. I'll give him most of it. I've got one meal left. I'll give him most of it. And I'll take the least. But I, I being the adult, I will probably watch him die. This was a heart-wrenching, tragic situation. And clearly the message from God was this, because if I'm Elijah, I'm going, wait a minute, you told me she was going to provide for me. 
But Elijah knew something, again, we need to know today. It was like God was saying to him, like, you depended on me daily at the brook. You will do the same here. Only it's not going to be just for you. It's going to be for the widow and her son. I have moved you from where I have moved you and placed you where I have placed you so that you can save lives. Now there's three powerful lessons from Elijah's experience. Breakthrough lessons. Here's the first one. Sometimes God upsets our comfort zone, even removes our comfort zone, so that we will get our eyes off of ourselves and onto the plight of a lost and a dying world. When I step in it and let my imagination go here, God dried Elijah's brook up just in the nick of time for this poor widow. When that first, when he first woke up and saw that it was gone, just, just over yonder, this woman was preparing to eat the last meal. He didn't know that, but God knew that. He had no idea of the tragedy just down the road, but God did. One more week and this desperate woman and her little boy would have died a tragic and a horrible death. And I want you to know, church, that God has brought us to the kingdom for such a time as this. I I believe this about the Bible. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. When we see a story like this in the Old Testament, there is a New Testament spiritual application. And here's the application. There are people all around us in our neighborhoods and in this city and in this state and in this country and in this world who are sitting down, as it were, to eat their last meal. They're dying spiritually. They're going straight to hell. They have no idea about God. They don't know the Lord. They don't know the blood. They don't know salvation. They don't know the Word. They don't know the Holy Spirit. They're about to shoot up for the last time, drink for the last time, live an ungodly life. It's coming down to a close, and I believe that God is rustling the nest and moving the church out of the comfort zone so that we will turn our eyes on the horizon, get our eyes off of ourselves, realize that it's not all about ourselves, it's not all about us, it's not just me, myself, and I, but it is a lost and dying world that are eating their last meal, and God is saying, I've brought you here for such a time as this. Elijah said to her, when she shared with him about this last meal, he said, have no fear. I want to be able to say that to so many people, and we're going to. We're going to take the word to the world. We're going to start right here, and we're going to reach this city. But then we're going to take the word to the world. You know what we're going to say to the world? You don't have to be afraid. There is a Savior. His name is Jesus. You don't have to be afraid of death. You don't have to be afraid of what is happening to you. There is a God who is mightier than your enemy, mightier than your habit, mightier than your problem. He's the master of breakthroughs. He can bring a breakthrough to you. Notice the breakthrough principle. He said, make no, have no fear, but make me a little loaf of bread from it, the last meal being it, make me a little loaf of bread from it first and bring it out to me. I used to read that and say, what a selfish dude. I mean, I know, Elijah, you're probably hungry from walking from the brook Kareth to Zarephath, but this woman's down to her last meal, and you're telling her 
to bring first to you? There's a little boy involved here. But now here's what he was doing. He was preparing her for miracle living. He was preparing her for miracle living. He said, well, how was he doing that? Putting God first. Putting God first. He said, I want you... Now, he represented God. The prophet represented God. He said, I want you to bring me a little loaf of bread first and bring it out to me. Then you may make one for yourself and for your son. He was teaching her a breakthrough principle. And here it is. Put God first in tough times and God will take care of you in tough times. Oh, I know it's right. People come to me all the time. They say, man, Pastor Jeff, I'm in a real problem, real pickle. Uh, we don't have any money or I've messed up. I've made some real mistakes. What do I do? I don't know, I don't know which way to turn. What, what should I do? The first thing I counsel them is put God first. Put him first. Didn't Jesus say this? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things you're worried about will be added to you as a side benefit of seeking him first. So you put him first in your lifestyle, first in your relationships, first in your finances, first in your thoughts, first in your time, first in your calendar. I have a little philosophy, no Bible, no breakfast. I get up and I feed myself on the Word of God before I eat in the natural because I want to start the day out with the real breakfast of champions and it's not Wheaties. It is the Word of God. That's the breakfast of champions. That's the breakfast of champions. So you open it up and just read anything. Just start reading in the Gospel of John. Start reading anywhere. Read a chapter. Read a few verses. Read it with a pen. Write down what it says to you. Feed on it. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Feed on the word. Then go feed your body. Well, I got a big amen on that one. I heard somebody said, I can't give up my eggs and bacon. You'd be amazed what you can give up in tough times. Tough times will scale you down. Tough times will make you lean and mean. Tough times will drive you back to the Word and drive you back to prayer and drive you back to church. So that's the breakthrough principle. Put God first. Elijah gave the widow the same kind of promise that Jesus gave to us. He said, for the Lord God of Israel says the jar of flour will not be used up and the jar of oil will not be empty until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Now stop and think a minute. He said there's only enough flour to fill a hand. And he said the oil is almost gone. So what does he mean? The jar of oil will not be empty. And the flour will not be used up. You've only got enough for a hand. He was saying when you put God first, you begin to walk in the miraculous. God will provide for you. When he wants to get it to you, he will get it to you. He can multiply. See, you say, well, well, do you really believe that he multiplied that flour and that oil? Absolutely. My Jesus took five loaves and two fishes. He says he blessed them, broke them, and gave them. And they kept giving, and they kept giving, and they kept giving, and they kept giving. Out of the same basket, the fish kept multiplying and multiplying, and the bread multiplying and multiplying. I think by the time 
the disciples got to the end of that crowd of 5,000, they were hooping and hollering so loud. They, they, they were beside themselves because give a fish away, another one comes. Give another one away, another one comes. Give bread away, more comes. Give bread away, more comes. The principle is this, that you cannot outgive God. And if you put him first, he'll take care of you. So the jar of oil, it says, she went and did what Elijah said. And when she did that, she stepped into miracle living. It says in the word of God, a historical account, not a myth, not a story. She and he and those of her house ate for many days, we know at least a year. The jar of flour was not used up, and the jar of oil did not become empty. It happened as was spoken by the word of the Lord through Elijah. Breakthrough principle number one, put God first. Second lesson we learn from this, God blesses us so we can bless others. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 says, God gives us comfort in all of our troubles. How many of you were comforted this week? by the Holy Spirit in a problem. You were comforted. You know why God did that? It wasn't just for you. God gives us comfort in all of our troubles. Then we can comfort other people who have the same troubles. See, God comforts you so you can comfort others. God delivers you so you can deliver others. God heals you so you can heal others. Heal people, heal people. Delivered people, deliver people. Fixed people, fix people. Hurt people, hurt people. God wants you, listen, you can't give what you don't have, but you will give what you do have. The lame man at the gate said to Simon Peter, got any spare change? He said, silver and gold have I none, but here's what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And he got up and he walked. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. See, Peter didn't have any spare change on him, but he had faith. And he was able to give it away. God blessed me so much. When I was 18, 19 years old, and I totally committed my life to the Lord, saved in juvenile home at 16, floundered for a couple of years because nobody followed up on me. Nobody, I didn't know I should read the Bible, go to church, anything. I just got saved in juvenile home and, and thrust out into the world. So for about two years, I floundered. But then I had a powerful experience, several of them, with the Holy Spirit of the living God. I would not be here today but for the powerful Holy Spirit of the living God who filled me and filled me and filled me where I finally almost said to him, stop it or I'm going to die. Here's what I realized. He wasn't doing it just for me. He was prepping me to preach because I can't give what I don't have, but I can give you what I do have. And I'm giving you today what I do have. I have faith in God, the master of breakthroughs. I know he can bring a mountain down and bring a valley up. I Listen, David said, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. And what did he do? He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock, but he didn't stop there. He established my goings, but he didn't stop there. And he has put a new song in my mouth. Many will see it and fear and trust in the Lord. 
So what I have I give to you today. God blesses us so that we can bless others. What has God done for you? He wants you to share it with others. The last thing, when your brook dries up, don't fight, don't fear, don't faint, don't flounder. Trust God for fresh direction. Here's my favorite verse in the Bible, one of them, top 10. Isaiah 43, verse 18. Do not remember the things that have happened before. Don't fixate on the past. See, Elijah could have. He could have written a country song. <laughs> oh, them days at the brook when God provided, you know, no, 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 and I long for those. Listen, don't walk around singing those were the days, my friend. I thought they'd never. Here's what you're doing. You're saying he can never match what he did back there. But Elijah's experience was he does better now than he did back there. He said, don't think about the things of the past. See, I will do a new thing. It will begin happening now. There's a now. No child of God is called to live back there. There's a now. There's a now word, a now experience, a now blessing. Give me a choice between a raven bringing me food twice a day and watching a jar of oil and a bin of flour multiply so that a woman and her little boy can live for a year. I'll take the latter. He took him from a lesser to a greater. My word to you today from God's word is he'll take you from a lesser to a greater. Believe it or not. So can we stand together today? I'm going to ask there to be as little movement as possible. Please don't walk out yet. We're about to dismiss. No one's going to get your space or block you. But hang tough just for a minute. I want to pray with people. I want to pray with you before we go. Why would you leave today with the brook in your life all dammed up? Why would you walk out of here if you've never called out on the name of the Lord to be saved? Why would you go get in your car and drive away without taking care of that major, all-important issue? See, when Jesus comes into our heart, he creates the brook. Jesus said, He that believes in me out of his innermost being will flow a river. A river of living water. That's the brook. Sin can dry it up. Or God can bring a change to some brook on the outside. But I want you to know that God wants you and me together today to enjoy the flow of His Spirit in our life. And if you've never said, Jesus, come into my heart, be my Savior, be my Lord, you don't have the brook, but you can. He'll dig a well in you today. And what a great... An incredible experience it is to have God's peace.
Or maybe you've drifted. You've gone into some kind of compromise or something has distracted you or you've really kind of neglected the things of God and the brook has dried up. You're aware of it. It's dry on the inside. You're aware of it. God wants that brook to flow again. And I want to ask us to be bold today and courageous and just say, you know, I'm going to settle this before I get in my car. I want the brook flowing in my heart. Say, Pastor Jeff, I'm in one of those two categories. I don't know that I've ever called out on the name of the Lord to be saved. And that brook was released in my spirit, in my heart, in my soul. Or I've drifted. And the brook has been, as it were, dammed up. And it needs to be released. And I'll let you pray for me. Would you raise your hand right where you are? Put them up good and high, quickly, real high. Many of you all over this place. God's going to do a miracle in your life today. Those of you that have your hands raised, I want you to do something. We're going to take a step of faith. It always takes a trigger, a faith trigger. But I'm going to ask you to slip out from where you are and come and stand right in front of me. You take that first step, and the God of the brook is going to begin to work a miracle in your heart. And I'm going to wait for you to come. Come now, come quickly. Don't be afraid. Who cares what anybody here thinks? They're not going to be there when you face God. Come quickly. I need the brook opened up. I need it flowing again. I need to get right with the Lord. And I'm going to wait. If you need to come from way back in the back, come on, and I'm going to wait for you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. 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 I'm going to ask those of you that are down here to pray this prayer. Say, Lord, forgive me for anything that I have done sin in my life that has dammed up the brook may it flow again wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness and Lord I receive your forgiveness and I believe the brook to flow again in the name of Jesus now just lift your hands to him a little bit. It won't hurt you. Just lift your hands to him a little bit and say, Lord, I'm yours and you are mine. Guide my life from this moment forward. In the mighty name of Jesus. See, something's breaking right now. And not just in this line, but down, out there in the audience. Something is breaking right now. Something is breaking right now. Dry times will end if we take this to the Lord. The dryness will end. There's a Zarephath. There's a Zarephath. And those of you where the brook has dried up and you're wondering what the next step is, raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you right where you are. Raise your hand. There's a Zarephath for me somewhere. Lord, I pray for them. I pray that you will open their eyes, their understanding, that you will lead them to the Zarephath. Lord, I know that somebody's waiting on the other side of their valley. Somebody's waiting on the other side of their obedience that they're going to emerge from this time 
able to share something that someone else needs and they're going to water the thirsty soul. In the mighty name of Jesus,